To it, it is the Derek Hunter podcast for the what the hell is it? The ninth day of November 2023. Happy Thursday to you, almost the weekend. I'm ready for the damn weekend. I'm just tired, just tired, man. Holy Frank Tanana, am I tired? But yeah, you know, I'll find a way to screw that up or at least blow through it. Anyway, welcome to the program. Don't forget about the week in F and review patreon.com slash. Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.Locals.com, whichever you prefer. Um, yeah, it's uh, one of those days, those Wednesdays that kind of dra- I'm waiting. I'm like, should I wait until I um, watch the Republican debate tonight and then rush together a reaction show? And I said, you know what? No, screw it. Screw you, people. Who the hell do you think you are? No, I said No. I will do a normal show, and then I'll do a debate reaction show tomorrow for Friday. Because then I don't really have to do much show prep for Friday. (laughs) Just kidding. Mostly. But, no, I I don't want to rush it again. The debate goes till 10. There's digestion and what have you. So I just thought I'd uh, do a normal show. Lord knows there's enough stupid going on in the world that we don't need to wait for a debate. So I'll do a bit of a debate preview really quickly. There are only five people on the stage, which I think will be a big advantage. It's also on NBC. It's not, not, to my understanding, I haven't looked up the TV guide yet, but <clears throat> it is going to be on the big network, the national network, which could make a difference. I think Donald Trump was, I think it was a waste of time and foolish and stupid for him to skip the other debates. Just because if he's so dominant, he should peacock around and, and sort of bully, sort of bowl over everybody. But he didn't. He didn't. I think it led for a better debate. It lent itself to a better debate, although there were too many people on the stage. This one's different. I think this one will leave a mark by not showing up, provided... Provided there's always a little caveat there, isn't there? Provided somebody does well. Somebody does well. There are fewer people on the stage. That opens up a lot more leg room for people to have a chance to do well. But the audience will be different and potentially bigger than on cable news. But most likely will be different. There are some people out there for reasons unknown, only to, you're known only to God, who will only watch Fox News, who will only watch MSNBC, who will only watch CNN, they, fewer than will only watch CNN. But there are people who just watch their news there and nothing else, and, if, and they'll just watch those networks regardless of what's happening anywhere else. The people who, but there are other people, more people, significantly more people, like 95% more people in the country who will not watch any of that crap because cable news is garbage. It's not even news. It shouldn't be called news anymore. They won't go to any one of those networks unless there's actually breaking news and they don't even bother knowing that a Republican debate was happening. With it being, with it being on MS or with it being on NBC, not MSNBC, with it being on NBC, a lot of people tune in to watch Matlock or whatever. The hell, I don't even know what the hell's on a Wednesday on NBC. But a lot of people tuning in to see that will stumble across this. Will they watch two hours of a Republican debate? P- 
possibly not, probably not, but some will. But they'll all be exposed to something. Because I think if you flip it on, there will be people who wouldn't normally watch it and won't watch two hours. will still sit there and watch five or ten minutes. And then somebody will say something annoying or they'll just go to commercial or whatever. And they'll go, oh, what am I doing? I got to get out of this trance and watch something else. That makes this debate different, possibly more important. The people watching the debates on Fox and Fox Business have already likely been paying attention and have their opinions formulated. People stumbling across it on NBC tonight would not have. That gives everybody involved a chance to make an impact. That's why I think it's a mistake for Donald Trump to be there. He would have caused a lot of people to turn it on and turn it off immediately, which, again, would be helpful to him because then you know, they wouldn't have those people. Those people probably aren't going to vote for him. But if somebody heard Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis say something, they would have liked or they liked tonight. If they saw Trump, they might have flipped off the channel. And the TV, probably. So it is uh, a double-edged sword. Plus, it would have been a chance for Donald Trump to, to a different audience, make the case for himself, which he doesn't seem super keen on doing. So it'll be interesting. This could be an important debate. It could. It's also one thing to note about this debate. If you remember, the other two were, what, a week or 10 days apart. In the first one, Vivek Ramaswamy... Rama Smarmy did well with some of the pundit class and started pulling up uh, upwards. He started gaining some little traction in the polls because he had an attitude in the debate. He went out there, he was throwing elbows. He had a good time. He was not taking any crap from anybody. A lot of people thought this was uh, just a little bit too glue sniffing, a little bit too hyper. And so he overcompensated in the second debate and became wildly passive, where he was accusing everybody in the first debate of being bought and paid for by lobbyist money, everybody but him. He's the only one who's pure. On the second debate stage, he said that everybody up here is a good person, everybody, blah, blah, blah. And like, well, that's, uh, that's a bit of a turnaround there, Vivek. So it'll be interesting to see. And ever since then, by the way, his poll numbers have been going down. I can't say they crashed. Because it took, you know, a couple months or whatever, a month and a half, six weeks, whatever it was, has been, to lower them down. But if it was, you know, if the same amount of dropping had happened inside of a week, it would have been a crash. So technically, you could describe it as a crash. He is going to be sort of in the Scott Walker stage of the primary process. Scott Walker was the favorite. It's a little bit different. But Scott Walker was the favorite in 2016. And then he petered out. He didn't even make it to the first vote. He dropped out. He is, Vivek is at the point where he could really seriously have the wheels come off. Not as much that he has to drop out like Walker, like other candidates have had, like Kamala Harris had to do in 2020. Because, and only because, Vivek is independently wealthy and he's financing the vast majority of his campaign. So he technically, realistically, could stay in as long as he wanted to, as long as he was willing to dig into his own pockets and pay for it. That's something else entirely. But from a practical standpoint, if he doesn't turn it around because it's getting it's not quite to crunch time but it's getting close to crunch time where you've got to start to make a move if you're at the bottom there's still time 
if you're up near the top, if you're up where DeSantis and Haley currently reside. But a Tim Scott, for example, it's do or die. You've got to reinterest people in your campaign, in your candidacy. And this is one of the last, I don't even know when there's another debate. So this is one of your last times. He barely made the debate stage this time. He was the last one over the line. I doubt he makes the next one. And the money starts to dry out even before the votes start getting uh, cast. So it'll be interesting to see how these people react with these circumstances around them. I think I think Chris Christie's in seats. DeSantis, Haley, Ramaswamy, Tim Scott, and I think the the fifth person might be what's his face, um, Chris Christie. Chris Christie's a different sort of character because he's not really running for yeah, it is Chris Christie. He's not really running for president. He's running to attack Donald Trump. It doesn't take a lot of money to attack Donald Trump, and you'll always poll 5% if that's your shtick. Chris Christie is well-known. People hear the name, and they just go, oh, him. So he's got that going for him. He can continue to make the debate stage. I don't think he'll make it to the finish line as far as you know the number of delegates or winning votes or what have you, but he can make it on the debate stage. He's got a different mission altogether. Ramaswamy and Scott are fighting to stay alive. And Haley and DeSantis are fighting to take on Trump. Because think about it this way. The other people who didn't make the stage, they're insignificant. They're Bergham, Doug Bergham. No, I wanted to at least give him a chance. I was open to it, but it just is just nothing. It's just not there. As far as Asa Hutchison goes, I just learned the other day that Asa Hutchison is still going it's still running for president. And so that doesn't really matter. I don't even remember who else is not on the stage. So it doesn't really matter. It is consolidating the voters of people who didn't initially want to vote for you. That means that soon Tim Scott and Vivek Ramaswamy's voters will be up for grabs. Sure, they'll make, if they drop out, they'll make endorsements. But you got to kind of make the case. People aren't automatons that say, well, I don't like this guy, but my guy said to vote for him, so I'm going to vote for him. You got to make the case. That's what's at stake for uh, DeSantis and Haley today. All right, so enough about that since by the time anybody hears this, it'll be long since over, and the questions I'm asking will be answered to a little bit, to a certain extent. Now, I want to shift gears because of uh, the election yesterday. I uh, And I got a surprising number of emails agreeing with me. I, I always assume I'm going to piss everybody off whenever I say anything that could be interpreted as anti-Trump. But a lot of you are like, no, you're not. Never Trump. Uh, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, you, somebody's got to say this. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that because it's, it's, I get it. You're very, people are very protective of the candidates they like. But that doesn't mean they're perfect. They're not. In fact, they're definitely not perfect. None of them are. So um, I, I want to play something that we, I was going to play yesterday but didn't get to. Because this is a brilliant moment because it, it, it illustrates exactly what the left is, what liberals have become, what the Democratic Party has become. It is a judge nominee 
from the Biden administration, a guy named Edward Sunyol Keel. Sunyol and Keel are two separate names. It's Edward and then S-U-N-Y-O-L and then K-I-E-L. And Josh Hawley, Senator Hawley, is just asking him a basic question, and it tells you everything you kind of need to know about Democrats. The lengths to which Hawley has to go in order to get this guy who wants to be a federal judge to condemn... I forget even what he ultimately ended. He said, you know, of course I oppose the, the genocide of Jews or whatever, and like... Dude, it, you had to, it was pulling teeth to get you to this point. It's not just to demonstrate how far the left has gone in their hatred of Israel. It's a demonstration of this guy is going to end up being confirmed. Why? Because every single Democrat is going to vote for him. It doesn't matter. He's, a de- he's nominated by a Democrat. He's a liberal judge. He will get it. There was a chance he might not have gotten uniform Democratic support if he had immediately come out and said, yes, I stand with Israel and the genocide of Jews is ridiculous and what's going on, X, Y, Z, is horrible, blah, blah, blah. That's a testament to just how far the Democratic Party has fallen, that their nominees are afraid to say things like that, presuming they don't agree with them. That's assuming a lot. But they're afraid to say things like that unequivocally because there will be backlash. They censured Rashida Tlaib, and now Democrats are you know, pouring out their support and undying love for her. She's a monster. She's a bad person. They're like, no, no, no. She's good. She just has a different opinion. Yeah, different opinion. Hey, uh, Jews should be able to exist. Well, I have a different opinion to that. Uh, yeah, that's a hell of a different opinion. A little bit more to it than a difference of opinion. So it shows you where Democrats are, plus it shows you how... Congressional testimony is just this side of worthless. I know that the members of the Biden family were subpoenaed. That could be a little bit different. It is a political investigation in the, uh, what you call it, in the uh, impeachment inquiry and all the shenanigans that the Bidens are into. But it is, even in that, each witness testimony, each question, person asking questions will be timed. And then all you got to do is kind of run out the clock on somebody asking questions you don't want to talk about. Well, I don't know, could you repeat that, Senator? I, your playing stupid doesn't count against you. If it's, the clock says five minutes and you spend four of it going, geez, uh, could you repeat that? I'm having difficulty hearing you. Uh, I don't know what you mean by and you sit there, I need to think for a second, I want to talk to a lawyer. You can really waste five minutes or a good chunk of five minutes pretty easily, pretty quickly. And so congressional testimony is already a joke, but you would think that a confirmation, the confirmation process wouldn't be a joke. These people would be held to standards. They're being asked to represent the foreign, our government, federal government overseas, hold positions of power and authority here in the United States, or in the case of judges, take lifetime appointments to the federal bench. That should normally, you would hope, necessitate some serious answers and things being taken seriously. But you're wrong. So all of that, rolled into this exchange between Senator Josh Hawley and Edward Kane, uh, Sunyol Keel. Congratulations to the nominees. Thanks for being here. 
Um, Judge Kill, let me just start with you. You're involved, I think, with a group called the Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund. Have I got that right? Um, I, um, I did a, a couple cases with them, Senator. It's probably been 15 years at least since I did any work with them. Okay, fair enough. H have you done some fundraising for them? Did I, do I understand that correctly, or is that, am I misinformed? I don't believe I've ever done any fundraising okay. for them. Well, uh, let me just ask you about, I'm, ask, I'm curious because of some things they've said recently, so just let me ask you about this, and you can give me your viewpoint on it. Earlier this month, uh, right after the attacks on Israel, the uh, AALDEF said that it stands in solidarity with Palestinian, Arab, and Muslim communities, and went on to help push out on social media a toolkit that's their word for student protesters that we've seen on our campuses, including resources, talking points, and chants for students who are pressing to end the genocide in Gaza, which, of course, we've, we've seen invoked by those who are calling for the destruction of the state of Israel. So let me just give you a chance to respond to that. Does that what's your view on that? How do, you, how do you read this? I mean, how do you read this statement from this group? Just, just give me your... Give me, let me give you the opportunity to respond to that. How about that? Um, Senator, I, I have not had any involvement with the group for a very, very long time. And my only involvement was representing um, restaurant uh, workers and wage and hour claims. I'm not familiar with that statement from all deaf. So I, I'm not sure that I could comment on, on that. Fair enough. Let me just ask you, does this, the, I assume that doesn't represent your views, your, your personal views. The position that the group has taken here with regard to the attacks on Israel. As I said, uh, Senator, I'm not sure in what context or what, what that statement was. I haven't read the full statement, uh, so I can't really tell you whether I... Uh... Well, how about this? Why don't I just let you, why don't I give you an open-ended chance to say, with regard to the attacks on Israel, the threats on Jewish Americans, what we're seeing on our college campuses where we have some student groups out there saying from the river to the sea, Palestine must be free, which of course is a call for the elimination of the state of Israel. Why don't you just tell us what your views are on that? Senator, it's a very uh, complicated issue. Um, I haven't really studied it. Um, it is a terrible situation, uh, what is going on there. Um, and Senator, that's all I can really say what my personal views are. Well, would you, let me put it to you this way. Would you condemn those who are calling for, who say things like from the river to the sea, which is a call for the elimination of the state of Israel and, and frankly, the, the killing of, of Jews in the Middle East? I mean, would you condemn that? Senator, as I, as I said, um, I... No, it's a very complicated situation. It's a tragic situation. Um, I haven't studied the situation. Um, I don't know um, um, how, how I can answer that today, Senator. Um, well, because... Yeah, go ahead. Um, as a judge um, uh, and the role that I would be playing, um, my personal views of things would not come into consideration, certainly, uh, Senator, and um, I would keep an open mind uh, for all matters that come before me. And uh, that's the way that I would approach the job as a, of a judge. I totally understand that. And, I, and I'm not asking you to comment on any case. I, I, I just am trying to, I wanted to give you a chance to respond to this, this group statement, but let me just see if I can get you to understand your views here. Just with regard to the attacks on Israel and the violence in this country against Jewish Americans, you condemn all of that. You, you've, have no truck with that. You would say that 
we should condemn all of that explicitly, I assume, right? I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I mean, you tell yes, me. Uh, yes, Senator. Any uh, violence here in this country against uh, Jewish people should be condemned. Okay, and these protests that we've seen where people are explicitly calling for the elimination of the state of Israel. Uh, we, had, we had Jewish students at Cooper Union in New York who were barricaded inside a library for hours while pro-Hamas protesters banged on the doors, shouted at them, screamed at them. You condemn all of that, I, I assume. I'm not familiar with that uh, situation, Senator. I'm, I know nothing about Are you that. familiar with the campus protests that have happened all across the country? The Senate's addressed this in a, in a resolution that passed unanimously condemning that, that rhetoric of, of genocide, frankly, against the Jews. I'm just trying to get you to say, I hope, that you, you condemn that, you think that's wrong, you're One, against it. Uh, 100%, Senator, I would condemn the genocide of uh, Jewish people. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no, I condemn genocide. As far as, you know, the terrorism and the just random murder of 1,400 people, I, I got to be honest with you, I kind of slept through that day of class, dude. I'm not super up to date on that. I'm not really sure. what They don't like each other, right? I don't know. I think I maybe saw 60 Minutes and mentioned it once. Um, I can't help you there, bro. Sorry. How does this happen? And you have to ask yourself, who the hell does this guy get nominated? What kind of a world are we living in where that is acceptable? Where that is acceptable? Well, I haven't really thought about it. I'm not really sure. I'm not this. You're not. You never really thought about the wholesale murder of civilians by terrorists just because they're of a different religion. Never thought about. Never thought about that. You're an Asian guy. You never thought about discrimination. In never, never occurred to you. Okay, interesting. But you're going to sit. Look, I get it that you've got to be impartial on these cases. But you don't have to be wildly ignorant like you just crawled out from under a rock or a bomb shelter from 1950. It's just bizarre that this is, this is what our government is. It's a whole bunch of people who don't remember anything who weren't in town that month, who had nothing to do with nothing, no, but, ah, man, I don't even know. Man, I couldn't even tell you. Really? You couldn't tell me? You don't know? You have no clue? Nothing? It's also a testament, again, to how the progressive left has a chokehold on the Democratic Party that nominees, I don't know, maybe this guy is a left-wing wacko, maybe he's not, but they're terrible. The simple answer, the decent human answer is to go of course i condemn this terror it's horrible it's telling that he's sort of in the same league with what's her face rashida talib unable or unwilling to simply come out and condemn this crap and that you feel like you either have to or you feel that refusing to do so won't hurt you there's no democrat over there is like listening to this going wait a second you can't you're telling me you can't condemn an act of terrorism against the Jewish state and you expect me to vote for you? There's no way in hell I'm going to vote for you. They don't have to worry about that. They have to worry about it in the other direction, which is terrifying in its own way. All right, a couple last things before I let you go. I, uh, it'd be interesting. I'm just seeing this story. I want to see how it goes. CNN is reporting. This is just three minutes ago. Or when, when, when the hell was this? No, I guess it was a few hours ago. 
Three individuals have been arrested on charges of operating a high-end brothel network in Massachusetts and Virginia, with a clientele that included elected officials, military officers, and government contractors with security clearances, the Justice Department announced Wednesday. Isn't that interesting? Quote, pick a profession, Joshua Levy, acting U.S. Attorney for Massachusetts, said at the sprawling set of the sprawling client list during a press conference in Boston. They're probably represented in this case. Levy did not identify any of the brothel's clients and noted that multiple search warrants were being executed in the case in Massachusetts, California, and Virginia. Who do you think these people are government officials? Are they Trump officials? Are they Biden officials? Are they elected officials? Is it Eric Swalwell? Is he Miss Fang Fang? It'll be interesting to see if anybody in media follows up on this case. But it is worthy of note. I don't understand going to a hooker. I don't get it. I mean, I, I, mean, I get it. I know what they're there for. And they always say the old joke is, you don't pay a hooker for the sex, you pay for them to leave. Uh, 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 uh. It's always said by somebody, usually by the, somebody who's never been married or divorced. Uh, but politicians are different. Politicians have it are like movie stars, sadly. That's why they call Washington, D.C. Hollywood for ugly people. There are, no matter how insignificant you are as a member of Congress, and believe me, there are like three members of the House that are relevant and a couple members of the Senate that are relevant. Now, the senators are more relevant than the average House member, but in the grand scheme of things about getting things done, in the Senate you can stop things from getting done. You can't really make things get done in the Senate. In the House, you're worthless. you you're at the mercy completely of the uh, speaker and maybe a couple of committee chairmen. Appropriations comes to mind. But otherwise, you're irrelevant. It's a waste of time. It's it's local constituent services. It's would you like fries with that? But because Hollywood gets it so wrong, people don't learn civics anymore. And you get all these bright-eyed, bushy-tailed kids coming to Washington, D.C. for internships and jobs and whatever. They look at it and they think, this uh, congressman so-and-so. And I always remember that scene from, uh, it was just on, St. Elmo's Fire, where Judd Nelson, Judge, Judd Nelson is like, oh, this is, uh, this is congressman so-and-so's key guy. Oh, he's a key guy on this committee. It, 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 you could tell that was written by somebody who doesn't know how government works. They just have no idea. As they don't really teach this in civics class. It's more a cynical view, but it's an accurate view. But... These people come to town and they think, ooh, Congressman so-and-so, somebody special, is powerful. And power is an aphrodisiac. And there's nothing dumber than young men and young women. They really are just stupid, 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 stupid. And so there are unscrupulous adults who think that they leave a bathroom smelling like a meadow of flowers who then will take advantage of that and sleep with them. But you get in trouble sleeping with staff now. It used to be fair game and trade and it was how things were done now you get lawsuits now you get this that and the other. so i could see a whole bunch of them who would really just rather go to uh, a staff member who idolizes them ending up having to go to a prostitution ring because they don't have an a free alternative that they trust somebody blog about it somebody tweet about it whatever so it'll be curious to see who this ends up ensnaring Han Lee, 41, of Cambridge, Massachusetts, James Lee of Torrance, California, and Yum Young Lee, 30, of Dedham, Massachusetts, 
have been charged with conspiracy to coerce and entice to travel to engage in illicit sexual activity. They are expected to appear in federal court in Boston uh, Wednesday or at a later date. The three individuals, Levy said, transported women and advertised them online for pre-approved clients to choose from through several websites and ran the brothels out of an apartment they rented. How do you even do that? I don't even know how that works. But we'll see. My money, I'm going to put a couple of bucks on Eric Swalwell. I'm just throwing it out there. I, I hope not. He's a married man. But if I had to pick a member of Congress, I'd almost enjoy Jamie Raskin doing it more because he's such a moral prick, a moralizing prick. So to see him busted on this would be interesting. The people like that, he'd probably still get reelected out of Prince or out of uh, Montgomery County, Maryland, because they're wildly liberal and incredibly stupid. But we'll see. We shall. It'll probably all be Republicans. Time will. Matt Gates. No. Anyway, we'll see. Lastly, I want to play you some audio here, ladies and gentlemen. This is from last Friday's, or no, I guess it's from over the weekend. But it is from Bill Maher's podcast. He's talking to Neil deGrasse Tyson. Bill Maher's podcast is actually pretty good. I forget what the hell it's called, but he sits around and gets drunk or stoned with people and has pretty interesting conversations. Um, I don't agree with him on much, but he's interesting. And that's all I really ask for out of somebody is that they be interesting. Interesting and consistent, not hypocritical. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson is all those things that I despise. It's just a, a total flaming hypocrite. He's wildly stupid on a lot of things and arrogant as the day is long because he's got a couple of letters after his name. People are not a lot of people are educated beyond their intelligence. He assumes that he knows everything about everything because he knows a lot about something. And it's rarely, if ever, the case. And he demonstrates it publicly, shamelessly, and then is proven wildly wrong on social media all the time and just moves on, just moves on without, without ever noticing, apparently, or caring, certainly. But they're talking about college campuses and comedians not going on college campuses. Bill Maher won't go anywhere near a college campus because of the politically correct nonsense, the people ready to be offended, the people ready to charge the stage because they're offended, whatever, the people with the sense of entitlement that only progressivism can drill into somebody. And Neil deGrasse Tyson doesn't realize that, well, Bill Maher doesn't call him out for, point, for being part of the system that uh, creates these people. But it is... Um, it's interesting, this discussion, because Bill Maher is absolutely right. Neil deGrasse Tyson is absolutely wrong. Surely there is a portfolio of jokes would, that would still if, work on a college campus. Surely. I would hope not. From what, maybe, maybe some college campuses, you, the ones you read about are fucking insane. You've given up and on an entire generation, and I you don't given, know how to make them laugh. I have given up on any place that doesn't even remotely attempt to believe in free speech and thinks that anything that, that they hear that they don't like, that they don't agree with, is violence. These people are fucking nuts, and you should be calling them out. Somebody like you, who has standing with kids, should be not joining them. I do when, them. when there's you a science taking, you're doing what, to it. You're yes. doing what parents do. You're What's taking that? the path of least resistance, I, and therefore hurting the kids and yourself. Parents ruin both their lives. They ruin their fucking spoiled kids' lives, and they ruin no. their own lives because the kids rule the roost. 
So that's what you're doing on a national level. I, I'm feeling more like on the porch. Get off my lawn. Really? I feel like we're in the barbershop. <laughs> God, Neil deGrasse Tyson is such an insufferable prick. I cannot stand that guy. But Bill Maher is absolutely right. If someone like uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson gets involved in the outrage machine, he pokes the bear. He might not lead it explicitly, but he pokes the bear and encourages the politically correct outrage. He'll start things and then run away from them, letting everybody else deal with the destruction in his wake. If he refused to play, if people like him in positions like him refuse to play this politically correct garbage game, the game would come to a screeching halt. But they know they've weaponized this. They know that they have, uh, they use it to their advantage and they're not about to disadvantage themselves or unadvantage themselves under any circumstances. They're not good people. They're not nice people. They're not honest people. And so it ends up being a situation where they just go, yeah, that's terrible. But you know what? I find it useful. So I don't care. That's how you can sit idly by or silently as various progressives engage in racist language and rhetoric and tactics and actions. You go, well, I don't have to, I'm not going to condemn it. I don't want to condemn it because it's useful. It's useful. That's just about the worst motivation you could ever possibly come up with for this crap. And yet it is seemingly the default position for so many of the people on the left, some on the right too, but certainly on the left, it's it's currency. It's gross. Anyway, we'll have debate reaction tomorrow and get ready to relax, chillax, and have ourselves a weekend, ladies and gentlemen. A good old fa- we're going to have a good old-fashioned weekend. Tomorrow, by the way, is the observation of Veterans Day. So keep that in mind. As, well, hopefully you got the day off of work. Anyway, I'll see you tomorrow.